Chapter 5 of Down in Water Street by Samuel Hadley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5 Meeting Jesus. Many plans were turned over in my mind, but all were rejected, and towards evening, at the suggestion of a fellow sinner, I went to the Jerry Macaulay Cremorn Mission, number 104 West 32nd Street. It was Sunday night, and the house was packed. With great difficulty, I made my way through the crowded aisle to the space near the platform. There I saw that man of God, that apostle to the drunkard and outcast, Jerry Macaulay. I glanced about the room and saw a mixed crowd, I assure you. It was the regular rescue mission audience that I have grown so familiar with since. Pickpockets, thieves, drunkards, harlots, sporting men and women, and up near Jerry some glorious women too. Only one glance was needed to tell me what they were doing there. They were there because it was good fishing ground, and they were helping Jerry to bring immortal souls to Jesus' feet. Jerry arose amid deep silence and told his experience, that simple story I've heard so many hundred times since, but which was ever new, how he had been a thief, an outcast, yes, a regular bum. But, he would add, I gave my heart to God, and he saved me from whiskey and tobacco and everything that's wicked and bad. I used to be one of the worst drunkards in the fourth ward, but Jesus came into my heart and took the whole thing out of me, and I don't want it any more. I had never heard this kind of gospel before, with all the sermons I had heard, and I began to say to myself, I wonder if I, too, could be saved. There was a sincerity about this man's testimony that carried conviction with it. I listened to the testimony of probably twenty-five redeemed drunkards, every one of whom told my story. They had all been saved from rum. When the invitation was given, I raised my hand and was soon kneeling down with quite a crowd of drunkards. Reader, how I wish I could bring that scene before you. Never till my dying day will I forget it. How I wondered if I could be saved, if God would hear me. I was a total stranger, but I felt that I had sympathy and it helped me. Jerry made the first prayer. I shall never forget it. Dear Savior, won't you look down and pity upon these poor souls? They need your help, Lord. They cannot get along without it. Blessed Jesus, these poor sinners have got themselves into a bad hole. Won't you help them out? Speak to them, Lord. Do, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Then Mrs. Macaulay prayed fervently for us. Dear Savior, she said in closing, I was a drunkard down in Cherry Hill fourteen years ago, and you saved me. Save these poor drunkards, for Jesus' sake. Then Jerry sang, in his peculiar voice, still kneeling. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. I had heard that dear old song years before, around our fireside at evening prayer, in my happy childhood, and it came back like a sweet memory. Now, all keep on your knees and keep praying, said Jerry, while I ask these dear souls to pray for themselves. He spoke to one and another as he placed his hand upon their heads, saying, Brother, pray. Now tell the Lord what you want him to do for you. How I trembled as he approached me. Though I had knelt down with the determination to give my heart to God, when it came to the very moment of decision, I felt like backing out. The devil knelt beside me and whispered crimes in my ears that I had forgotten for months. 
I had standing against me at that moment 125 forgeries on one man alone. In the agony I had been in through drink, I had forgotten it until the devil reminded me of it there. What are you going to do about these matters if you are going to be a Christian? You can't afford to make a mistake. Had you not better wait and fix these matters up and get out of some of these troubles and then make a start? How can you go to Sing Sing prison and be a Christian? Oh, what a conflict was going on for my poor soul. A blessed whisper said, Come. The devil said, Be careful. Jerry's hand was on my head. He said, Brother, pray. I can't pray. Won't you pray for me? All the prayers in the world won't save you unless you pray for yourself. I halted but a moment, and then with a breaking heart I said, Dear Jesus, can you help me? Dear reader, never with mortal tongue can I describe that moment. Although up to that time my soul had been filled with indescribable gloom, I felt the glorious brightness of the noonday sunshine in my heart. I felt that I was a free man. Oh, the precious feeling of safety, of freedom, of resting on Jesus. I felt that Christ, with all his love and power, had come into my life. Sinking and panting as for breath, I knew not that help was near. I cried, O oh, save me, Lord, from death. Immortal Jesus, hear me. Then quick as thought, I felt him nigh. My Savior stood before me. I saw his brightness around me shine and shouted, Glory, glory. And I have been shouting glory pretty much all the time since. From that moment until now, I have never wanted a drink of whiskey and have never seen money enough to make me take one. The precious touch of Jesus' cleansing blood in my soul took from my stomach, my brain, my blood, and my imagination the hell-born desire for whiskey. Hallelujah! What a Savior! I promised God that if he would take me from the bondage of strong drink, I would work for him the rest of my life. He has done his part, and I am trying to do mine. One other thing that has never ceased to be a wonder. I was so addicted to profanity that I would swear in my sleep. I could not speak ten consecutive words without an oath. The form or thought of an oath has never presented itself to me since. Bless his dear name forever. A few weeks afterwards, the dear Lord showed me I was leaning on tobacco and that I had better lean entirely on him. I threw my plug away one night down the aisle of the mission, and the desire was removed. In fact, tobacco was the only real sacrifice I ever made for Jesus, for I would gladly have paid money if I had it to be freed from rum. The wonderful mystery of God's love for sinners has never ceased to excite the most lively emotions in my breast, and has never become an old story. How the precious, pure, and spotless Savior could stoop down and bear away my drunkenness and delirium tremens to this day fills my soul with the tenderest gratitude. Surely, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. How are you going to explain the physiological conditions of a man's stomach and brain when but a moment before he would almost commit murder for a glass of rum, and after the precious blood has touched his soul, he abhors it? It is simply the divine, miraculous power of Jesus casting out demons as he did on earth. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews thirteen eight. O sinner, are you reading these lines? 
before you close this book, take him to your heart and life and death can never part you. When I arose from my knees in the Cremorne mission after this glorious vision filled my soul, I related my experience and for the first time told the truth. Mind you, the truth so far as I remembered it. All drunkards are liars and my candid opinion is that is the last thing that any person is saved from. People crowded around me and shook hands with me. I was amazed. I didn't know what to make of it. I had not shaken hands with anyone for six months except some barkeep whom I wanted to hang up for a drink. I made friends that night that have stood by me ever since. Yes, I got acquainted with some of the aristocracy of heaven that night. I went out in the street and looked up to the sky. I don't believe I had ever looked up for ten years. A drunkard never looks up. He always looks down. It was a glorious starlight night, and it seemed to me that I could see Jesus looking at me out of a million eyes. Dear Jesus, I cried, you know you have saved me, but how am I going to stay saved? Already the devil had thrown a shadow across my path. You are saved, of course you are, but you'll fall, and you'll be awful sorry for all the fuss you have made tonight. It seemed to me that Jesus said so plainly, my child, work for me. There are thousands who would come to me if they only knew me. Go and tell them. End of chapter 5